So once you have that setup, that is time to focus on the country where you want to make your life. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Do you want to grow your business bigger and faster? A free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find missed golden opportunities. I generally charge $150 or more per hour, but this would be free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing a few thousand dollars a month in sales already. Just visit myamazonaudit.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit, and book in a time. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T.com. Look forward to speaking to you on your audit. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers. I say Amazon sellers, I guess that really we are trying to get away from just being Amazon-focused, but we're certainly getting away from being UK or US focus because today we're talking to Stefan Burkle from O1 and they help people expand or your e-commerce operators expand into the European marketplaces, over 100 marketplaces, including Amazon, but also eBay, C-Discount, you name it, in 27 countries. So a real expert being in the business for over a decade. And today we're going to talk about the unique challenges for UK-based sellers trying to sell into the EU. Steph, welcome back to the show. Hi, Michael. Thanks very much for inviting me. And I'm also excited to talk to your UK listeners because, you know, after Brexit, there was a big, had a big impact, specifically also for the Dutch companies that have been working with the UK company, but a lot of UK companies also lost the business in Europe. So I'm very happy to spread some insights so that they can start looking again at the European market as a accessible market. Yeah, there's always been a, a Dutch English sort of partnership or Dutch British. I mean, I guess, you know, we, we sourced our kings from <laughs> the Netherlands once and they just kind of sailed in and got on with the job instead of having the fight, which is good. And, and ever since then, I've had a couple of Dutch uh, members of the mastermind who've been incredibly helpful. So there's always a link there. And I think that's, that's for me, like a metaphor for, for UK sellers is like, how do you get into Europe? There are some countries that are a bit unfriendly and difficult and some that are friendly, one of which famously, of course, if you import into the Netherlands as a way into the Germany, you pay less tax, for example. So we can get into the, the details of this, but my simple question for you is that all the um, entrepreneurs I know are naturally impatient, and that includes me. My question is, can I get live in a month? And if so, what do I need to do? Yes, you can. Well, and so I said that with an easy goal there. Yeah, yeah, that's the option. Or you call me. Or secondly, you need to find some strategic partners to enter the European market because the asset is accessible, but you need to make some phone calls to get that get stuff done. But yes, you are able to do so relatively quick. Fantastic. That's very good news. So quick and, and Brexit and EU have not normally gone together in the last few years. So what are the steps then? What do we, let's, let's so first of all, are we going to aim? So we had a, a whole episode, uh, for international sellers in general, I guess it was slightly US slanted. So if you haven't listened to that and you're UK based, I would definitely urge you to go through that because Steph's made a few interesting points there. So is it true for us in the UK that we should also not treat the EU as a whole, or is it easier for us to just go, 
let's just put everything into Europe everywhere and then see what sells. How's our approach there? Europe, uh, I think you have a lot uh, enough experience to see that Europe is not one region and not, not one, let's say you can't use it, approach it as one country. You need to have a localized approach to make sure you are able to generate actually good revenues. And I'm, I'm going to underline that for you at UK-based sellers, Steph, because obviously you've just told everyone in our previous podcast who's outside the UK and EU that you shouldn't treat the EU as one country. But if you're UK-based and you've been selling here for a while, you will have been used to exactly that situation if you were selling before Brexit happened. And so I think we've got to overcome a mentality that it's so weird, this post-Brexit reality that we're 25 miles away from France, but we have to treat it like it's America and or somewhere very foreign and start again with our thinking. So um, we need to localize country by country. And I say that underlining it, double underlining it, highlighting it, because I see so many UK-based sellers who just still try to just lump everything into Europe and hope. So this is not a strategy. So what do we do instead, Steph? Well, there are some things that are still being how you can use it. See, you can put some activities in place that are immediately there for the UMP market. So for example, you can create a warehouse, access your UMP and hub, and from there, uh, uh, do the logistics to let's say 24 hour delivery to 60% of Europe. That's one thing that you can do to treat it as one region. Second thing that you can do, for example, the product compliance, you know, the CE certificate are also completely for the European market. So also that one, chapter of that is usable for the whole market. Third, when you are having a VT number in an entity in Europe, you can start from your own web shop, start selling directly to all the consumers by just one PT number. Only when you use multiple warehouses in multiple countries, then you need other additional PT numbers. So you can start an operation in one country that can do a lot of activities already to treat Europe as one region. What you cannot do is forget about the localization. The customers need to be long. The price strategy you need to do check if it's competitive with the market. You have optimized translations that need to be done. So there are, and there are also different sales channels that are active and in the market. So Amazon in Germany and let's say France, Italy, Spain, and UK is by far the number one, but there are also other marketplaces in for example, the Netherlands, but also Sweden, where they're not number one. So if you want to conquer that market, you also need to go multi-channel. Do you want to grow your Amazon business bigger or faster? I bet you do. If so, a free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find some golden missed opportunities. Generally, I charge at least $150 an hour these days for my time, but this is free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales. If you are, just go to myamazonaudits.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit and book in a time and we'll see each other on a Zoom call. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z or Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T.com. Thank you very much listening and i hope to see you on a call soon yeah so interesting point is and as we said at the end of the last podcast if you want to make profit it's wise to consider going not so much where the big sales are but as where some kind of worthwhile sales are but low competition
So some things are EU-wide, it sounds like, and some things are, are local. So a warehouse that's a European hub, product compliance, if I understand, and VAT registration. Tell me a bit more about VAT registration. There's a sort of, it feels in the UK, I'm not a VAT specialist, so it feels like on the one hand, there's a European-wide sense about VAT, and on the other hand, there's a country-specific thing. How does that pan out? Yeah, no, I understand the question is quite complex, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to make it as simple as possible. If you're a UK company, you want to enter into Europe, get your, set up your account, you set up your company registration, preferably in the Netherlands, because there's no tax advantages with the import. Once you have a company set up, you can also ask them, or you automatically will get a VD number. And then there is a European arrangement called OSS. And from that to OSS, you're able to start distributing your products and doing and still do the local VAT filing. So you only need one country, one VAT number to start distributing the products. Only when you reach a certain revenue uh, in a certain country, but you know, you're talking about, for example, Germany, 100,000 euro per year, they need to have a VAT number also in Germany. So in the beginning, if you're thinking about launching in Europe, just get one company registration in Europe from there do the distribution, and then you're set uh, at least for the first year. Okay, so that sounds to me like the old distance selling thresholds are still in place. So in other words, you can sell when, when we were in the EU, you could, EU uh, we could sell to, say, France up to a level of 30,000 euros a year or 35,000, and then we'd have to be VAT registered. And you can sell into Germany up to 100,000 euros a year. Is that still roughly the same situation? I'm honestly not 100% sure because the OSS regulation is quite, quite, quite new. I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know the, the threshold now per country, but I know yeah. that threshold, but I don't know the exact threshold. The previously it was 35,000 euro per country. Yeah. Uh, and, and in Germany it was 100,000. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter about the exact threshold, but that's the same sort of principle. Okay, interesting. Exactly. And, uh, but if you, you want to start having a local stock to offer next day delivery, which is crucial, if you want to start uh, having a good conversion rate, then you are by law obligated to have a local fee. That okay, only sounds it. complex, but it's not really. Why? Because nowadays, if you want to start working in e-commerce 10 years ago, like I did, you needed to fly into every country to talk with a local accountant. Nowadays, there are all kinds of tools and SaaS solutions available that per country you pay like 30, 40 euros per month. And you have API connection with your Amazon that will do the whole organization. And you only get every month an update to which account you need to send what amount with which reference. So that is much more simplified. Keep in mind, you need to go to the process of registration that can take up to a, from a month in Poland up to a year in Spain. Depends really on how, how busy the local governments are. And from that moment all, yeah, you are completely compliant to start distributing by European level. But again, you only need one, one partner, one accountant partner that specialized in that. Okay, nice. That makes sense. So it sounds like on the one hand, it's relatively straightforward, but on the other hand, because government bureaucracies are involved, well, any kind of bureaucracy, I guess, um, it can take quite a long time. So if you have your heart set on selling in Spain, it sounds like you need to get done yesterday because it's going to take some time. But when it's done, it's quite simple. That's very interesting. And you make the point about 24-hour delivery. I I have seen some very interesting in-house stats from a couple of our mastermind members where when they had stock local to, say, Germany, they had much, much higher sales. 
because Amazon recognized oh. that they could reliably deliver within 24 hours. And uh, experience, yeah. I guess the yeah. experience is for a big part just to adjust it. How easy will it get the product? How quickly will it get the product? Can I easily return it? If you look at the reviews, but Jordan's very much logistically driven. So if you want to succeed in e-commerce, you need to have a good customer experience. Well, in other words, you need to have good logistics. So that means you need to have a local, local warehouse. That's an interesting perspective. Logistics are customer experience. I, mean, I think you're right. I think we forget that, that having get so obsessed with marketing, maybe as you said before, because in the US, you've got to fight and scream to shout above the crowd that we forget that in the end, as consumers, what we want is our stuff on time, not damaged as described. And, uh, you know, that's, that's still hard. <laughs> so you, you make an extremely good point there. So, okay, but, but we talked about to, 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 yeah, to go back to that European hub. Uh, so, for example, what we do, we use our European hub in the Netherlands to just to do core control in all countries, right? So, we do stock control that's on average once per month to the various warehouses in the various, uh, various countries. So, also from that perspective, it's not too complex as long as you have a warehouse that is specialized in Amazon. And I'm not telling that they say, oh, no, we also do Amazon. No, you need, you need that response. The whole space with the people that don't do anything else than Amazon. Because Amazon is not a side job. If they want to treat it as a side job, you will get the chargebacks. As you, everybody knows in the Amazon space, Amazon loves to send chargebacks. So, and that's something you want to avoid because we talked about profit. Profit is going to be impacted when you have chargebacks. And if you have a warehouse company that is not really fulfilling exactly towards the corner. Delivery compliance, let's say delivery rules wonderful, you're gonna, you're gonna have an issue. You're probably gonna run out of stock. You're gonna get late deliveries. You're gonna get uh, all kinds of fines. So, but if you have a warehouse, then you're very easily to start looking to stock control with what, with one country. You have your stock control in the UK. You have your stock control in the EU and any country. And from there, you do the shipments to the different Amazon warehouses. And quite a lot of for example, we, we have 65 different delivery locations only in, in Germany. Wow. Okay. That's quite a lot. And that's between different marketplaces like Mark, just Amazon. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. also Vandor and that is uh, specifically Vandor, I must say. Okay. So it sounds like the simple version is, is get a European hub. You're saying the Netherlands, like, I guess you're biased, but uh, I can see why you'd head towards the Netherlands because they make importing easier that the germans seem to be very rigid but consistent the french have a lot of rules they don't apply but occasionally do those those are the two that i've experienced um, yeah, i think what's really nice with people from the uk and and the netherlands we tend to see each other a lot outside our own countries we are when we are on study we like to go to internships abroad we've been informed centuries we've always been traveling so it's really in our culture to think international, to think straight. And I think that's also why I think there's a lot of recognition on how we operate uh, is because we do think with our borders. We see any market as a potential market. We don't think in the difficulty. We just, you know, we've been doing that. I know Buddha's been doing that. So we have a, that perspective. We have an advantage versus Germany and France that always look at the home country. The home country needs to be the strongest economy. While we are thinking, hey, if it's not working in the Netherlands, let's go to Belgium or go to Germany. And it's the same in the UK. We're not making money in the UK. Let's get the profits from France. So I think that's a big advantage for us, for the Royal guys. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point you make about sort of business culture. I mean, Britain's a funny mixture of the two, I would say. I mean, it's sort of 
somewhat protectionist empire building France. And then so sort of let's make money from wherever we can make money, you know, a bit like the, the Dutch. So the Dutch had the East Indian trading company and we had the, the, the British one. So, you know, historically yeah. that goes a long way, doesn't it? Anyway, it so is. coming back to, to simple points, are there any other things that we need to think about? So we talked about VAT. So it's kind of simple and kind of complex. There's logistics, which is obviously huge. And having a hub sounds like one of the simplifying mechanisms, but you will probably want to get your stock local to a particular country for 24-hour delivery, which means you need to VAT register. That's not too bad, but it can take a long time. That's my takeaway so far. What else do we need to think about and, and put in place? Okay. So that you have, once you have your company registered, you can ask for an AORI number to make sure you're able to easily import the goods. Your products need to be compliant. So you need the CE mark certification. What's different than, for example, the UK is accepting CE certification, while in Europe we are not accepting UKCA, but the requirements are similar. So getting a CE mark is quite accessible. Uh, so once you have your warehousing, your imports, and your also your VT registration, uh, you already are very much strong to basically open up any market. So once you have that set up, that is time to focus on the country where you want to make your money. So in cases France, so you did your research, you see that France is the biggest market. You want to make sure when your product page uh, is translated and not by Google Translate. Now you need somebody from France, a native speaker that don't do their own keyword research and then optimize it into the pages. So you do translations by a local specialist. That's really important that you don't need somebody in the UK that also has fluent in French. You need to have a French local speaker simply because they have a different way of, let's say, searching for us online. Once you have done that, then uh, your products are there, uh, the, 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 the page looks good. It starts with the marketing campaign. So you need to do keyword research. You need to, and so basically you need a marketeer that does the, sorry, the paid advertisement activities to start driving the traffic. So this is actually the only, if you want to hire a freelance or an agency, that is the one you need to be in contact on a regular level. The freelance to do the translations, you only work with them after a few months to optimize the text. Once it's there, you just continue to get the feedback with me. While the, the PPC specialist needs to look every day, how are your products the way, what are your competitors, what strategies do they use? So that's the one you actually need to build up your relationship to start driving your sales. Yeah, I think you're right. That whenever I've seen anyone sort of put PPC into a sort of holding pattern, automatic pilot, or hand it off to an agency and assume that they'll do a great job, that's when they spend an awful lot of money on ineffective PPC. So yeah, you've got to you've got to watch it like a hawk. Really, you're right. And I think it's a constantly shifting situation. Again, as you say, compared to the US, it's not quite as constantly shifting. Germany is a big market, and there is competition there. But I would say. There is a relationship between the the sales available and the competition on Amazon Germany that is more favorable than Amazon UK, where the sales available aren't that fantastic compared to the US. But all the US and the UK and Chinese big competitors are all in their advertising. So certain certain countries, you know, you cannot micromanage your way out of a supply and demand issue. So 
that's one of the, as we talked about before, your analysis of where can you make profit in each country, I would just underline your biggest cost item in some ways after the cost of goods sold is often advertising. So you yeah, really got to pay attention I think what we also need to, so people from the UK, they know oh, Brexit happened, I'm unable to sell anymore, I'm buying Gilaro or Astonish, but Blackstreet, I'm not going to do it. And so you would think all oh, the people from Germany and France, at least Spain, have a competitive advantage, so they must be exploiting it. But that's not the scenario. The scenario is that less than 2% of the companies are actually selling on the value of being loved. Less than 2% of the companies that are already selling on Amazon are actually selling in all countries. Why? Because nobody is going outside that comfort zone. People from Germany also just sell at one or two or three countries. People in France, Italy, Spain, all do, do the same thing. So yeah, you have a little bit of bigger hurdle to start, to start setting up again, your local warehouse, et cetera. But because of your culture difference, you're all, you are much more smarter, let's say, and experienced in selling international. So your, the, the competitive advantage that you were thinking that the local European countries have, that they do have that, but they don't exploit it simply because they are not really behaving like that. They, they tend to stay within the comfort zone of focus on the local market. So I think the biggest brain is to really understand that and recognize that, that the, even though the Brexit, you still have the same opportunity there. Yes, it's a bit more complex, but because of your experience in selling international for all those years, uh, I believe you're going to. Uh, have a big opportunity is still ahead and uh, it's just a small hurdle to take over but again a lot of operational partners that have the capability in and have the specialty in distributing your product value and level and you can just all manage it from your own hub in the uk you don't need to have a local team etc that's definitely not, not necessary yeah and i think that from my experience a couple of things the first thing is as UK-based people, if you've been used to selling pre-Brexit, you have to just kind of forget that past and move on because that's going to lead you to compare it to the past as opposed to just looking at the opportunity right now. The second thing is, because it's a pain compared to what it was, a lot of UK-based sellers just stop selling in Europe and they're creeping back in, but not in a serious way. A lot of the time, they're kind of playing at it, in my experience. And that gives a big opportunity to you if you're willing to actually do it seriously. And the third thing I would say to your point about partners, is it's absolutely critical to get the right partners because you're really dependent on other people to nail things even more than you usually are in this game, right? So if you have people who can't get indirect or direct representation and all that stuff right, you'll end up with goods stuck at the border. And I've seen that a lot. And equally, yeah. if you've got people who sort it, it just goes through, you pay a bit of money for the service, and then you get on with making money. And I've seen that as well. So getting the right partners is critical. And if you get that there, as you say, if everyone else is worried and doing nothing and you take advantage then you have competitive advantage right there and so i yeah. think it's just great logic particularly right now in 2023 this is one of those points where it's a little bit messy so that puts people off but it's very doable so it means it's a good reason to do it january 2020 was not a time to do it it was horrendous for about six months it's kind of quasi stable <laughs> we should be good enough for any entrepreneur right steph's half stable should be good enough <laughs> but you need the right people so talking of which unless you have any other points that you need to make Tell us about what you do for e-commerce sell. No, the only point that I have to make is that we really like to work with the UK companies. Uh, we actually, because we, we import from the UK every month. And the, the, the delivery time is like 
a week, something like that. So sometimes it's two weeks, but if you look at it from a stock control perspective, it's quite easy. It's completely different from them from the US where we need to start working with containers and ship direct from China into to Europe. So don't look at it as a too big of a step. Do you don't need a big stock available or a big investment that needs to be done? I believe that there is less, I know there is less competition in larger markets than the UK. So you're probably able to make quite some good money when working into Europe. And then to tell a little bit about who we are, what we do. Well, I've been doing this already for 10 years, helping brands to set up a European operation to sell to marketplaces like Amazon. Nowadays, we have a company, we call it Operator One, also called one And what we do, we add as the importer record, a merchant of record, and everything in between from warehouse to, to customer support. Uh, so we manage and so we say we lead and operate all your marketplace sales from Amazon, the big one, until the smaller local ones. So if you want to enter the European market, one part, so you, you just focus on your own market and your brand and your product. That work with us and you will be up and running literally in a couple of weeks. And not only can you be level, but most of most important also on a professional level in all those countries. Nice. Yeah, that sounds really good. I think if I were about to launch into Europe again, I, I would definitely be having conversations with someone like you just because, you know, even if nothing else, you're going to educate yourself, but get the right partners and you can just get on with what you were doing. Now you've added a bunch of sales and hopefully profits to your business without having to devote crazy amounts of, of time to learning, you know, the niceties of Swedish VAT. Who needs that? So if people want to get hold of you, Steph, how do they do that? O1.eu, that's our website. And otherwise, look for me at LinkedIn, Steph from Google. Yeah, I'm probably unable to type that or so. Maybe, Michael, if you can put it somewhere in the chat or in the link, that would be, would be awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that over at the, the blog, which is 10kcollective.com. And also Steph, S-T-E-F, fairly easy, fan, V-A-N, I know it's fan. And then book called B-O-E-K-E-L. So if you've got a good memory for, for these things, but otherwise O1.eu, the, the easiest URL to remember ever. Steph, really great stuff. I really like your kind of optimism about it. As you say, logistics is customer service experience. That's, that's a, Great quote I'm going to take away from you there. And if you're willing to solve these logistical issues, then on the other side of it, there's great business to be had. It's kind of a hidden opportunity almost. Any other thoughts for us before we head off? Anything I should have asked you that I didn't? No, not really. I would say, guys, just just go for it. But yeah, make your calculations up front, understand the market potential, and then start calculating back. And know your margins, uh, like we've been repeating uh, many times, a lot of uh, hidden variable costs, for example, within the logistics, which you need to start understanding. Uh, but uh, if you do well, you can make a long-term profitable business because what I also like to see, uh, tell this, this, this is, even though there are trends within our industry, it is a quite stable business in general. So if you keep working on that, learning and developing, I'm sure you're able to make while. Excellent. Well, that all sounds very, very good. It just remains for me to say, Stefan Boker from O1 or Operator One. Many, many thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Michael. Do you want to grow your Amazon business bigger or faster? I bet you do. If so, a free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find some golden missed opportunities. 
Generally, I charge at least $150 an hour these days for my time, but this is free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales. If you are, just go to myamazonaudits.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit and book in a time and we'll see each other on a Zoom call. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z-O-Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T.com. Thank you very much for listening and I hope to see you on a call soon. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.